Hello, this is Matt Slick from the Matt Slick Live podcast, where I defend the Christian faith and lay out our foundations of the truth of God's Word. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. <laughs> Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. We, uh... Somehow we were surprised that the show came up. You know, we were just sitting in here talking, and, and all of a sudden the music played. We were like, oh, yeah, we have a, a show to do here. But yeah, welcome to After Hours. We are moving out of fear is where we just left from the radio show. If you didn't listen to the radio show, you can go to masculinejourney.org. You can pick it up on Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Cash Lots of Now places. on Amazon and coming soon on Pandora. Yeah, so, you know, just about everywhere you can get podcasts, almost you can get our, our podcast. You can go back and listen to that show. We are moving from fear and into love, which is really the answer. Right? Love is the answer. Right? And so isn't Jesus love? Yeah. 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 So Jesus the answer. That's the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Shortest master journey after hours ever. Uh, <laughs> Join us next week. Jesus will still be the answer. <laughs> so this topic of moving out of fear into love. All right, it's story time, guys. It's time we go deeper. That's what we say on the promo, right? As we come in, we're going deeper into the topic. So let's go deeper. Let's get real. What's some fears that God's love or other people's love have helped you overcome? Let's start there. Anyone? Bueller? 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 I'm sure I'll start. So, you know, Robbie brought up something before the the program started about uh, uh, agreements we tend to make. And, you know, through the course of uh, uh, many years, uh, uh, I, I've uh, I, I've played around at playing guitar for, for the most part. And I was through the through the boot camp. I was getting convicted about certain agreements I was making. That agreement was nobody wants to hear me play. And, uh, of course, I have a good friend who won't leave me alone that constantly wants to hear me play <laughs> sitting right next to me. And in that process, you know, he encouraged me to share with the rest of the team uh, at the last boot camp, uh, you know, playing. You know, that's there's fear there of rejection and stuff. And um, I just found out this evening that uh, I, I inspired Robbie who's now playing on a regular basis which which is exciting yeah i it it was so courageous i thought you know i guess because i'd made all those agreements too and and probably for very similar reasons that people that we cared about didn't like it and they would tell us and then we would hide something that was you know our own artistic expression to some extent of Mm -hmm. you know however you play music so when I saw Jim get out there, and Jim played wonderfully and sang wonderfully, I'm like, man, I wonder if I've made that agreement. And then I thought, oh, baby, have I ever. <laughs> and and I got out my guitar, which is a 12-string Yamaha, and as I've told these guys, I took classical guitar lessons when I was a kid. My 
parents wanted us to be the Van Trapp family singers, you know. And my brother played the drums, and my sister played the organ, and it was all going to be, yeah, we were going to, the hills were going to be alive with the sound of Dillmore music. Well, Peter, Paul, and Robbie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... However, it had been years and years and years, and I and even though I'd picked it up every once in a while because one of my kids would ask me to play something or whatever, I I, I had not taken it seriously for years. But I realized here sits this agreement, and so I'm like, God, will you go with me on this? Is this somewhere you want me to go? Is this an adventure that? And so as I began to pick up my guitar, the very first thing that I played was the introduction to classical gas, which is a very difficult piece to play. Some people would say one of the most. And I went, I always wanted to learn how to play that, and I could get about a third of the way through. God, would you take me there? Can I break the agreement? I'll never learn how to play classical gas, the whole thing. And he said, let's go. And so over the last, you know, four or five weeks, I've been playing and playing and playing. My fingers are very sore at this moment. But it's really, really cool. And, hey, if you'll come to the boot camp, um, coming up November 15th, is it? Well, no, it's the 12th through the 15th. The 12th through the 15th. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But you know how I am with dates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of eaves away. So, yeah. so it is my, I'm trying to break this agreement completely to actually play classical gas from the stage of this boot camp. So there's a challenge. I'm throwing it down here for everybody. To, to, and, and you know we're going to hold you to it. I know. It'll be a gas. I, it will be a gas. <laughs> <laughs> Classically. <laughs> You'll say, that was a classic. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on a 13-string Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Try to one-up you. <laughs> I know nothing about guitars, but I know 12 strings has to be harder than six. <laughs> Just saying. Twice. Twice as hard. Yeah, no, no, I'm no. looking forward to hearing that. I think if we would sit back and say, if we've conquered a fear... Wasn't love always involved to some degree? I mean, I think it would have to. Yeah, I think about making the statement, you know, with with my wife when I was early married, I would never get up and do an announcement because no one's going to ever hear me speak, right, in public because I had this fear for my childhood and these agreements and all those things. And through her love and uh, persistence, <laughs> but no, through her love, through God's love, and through breaking agreements – that fear is getting significantly better. I can't say that it never arises, but it doesn't last long and it doesn't get a foothold. Right? It'll kind of come and go and the enemy throws it out there like a lure, seeing if I'm going to bite at it. But then, you know, I remember, fortunately, most of the time, the love that's been in my life that helped me overcome those things, which helps me get through that momentary potential setback. Which is why I love this George Clooney clip that, that Jim sent. Um, from a standpoint, especially the end of the clip where he starts talking about f- fighting for that spark that you know is true love. If you want to set that up, Jim. That was what I put the side up. But this one really, and I thought I was discovering something new, and I found out it's been used multiple times and is in our archives. But when I heard it and I was just looking for clips, it blew me out of the water because it, spoke to me about you know we could pursue what we want to all day long we can get good at it we can be as he was a shark and accomplish our goals 
But if we don't have love, those goals aren't worth a thing. Now, he's a, if I remember from the show, he's like a, they, they come in and they take over companies and then shut them down. No, he's, he actually, he may be, I, the movie I hadn't seen in so long, I don't remember, but he's a lawyer that's very successful and it has to do with divorce primarily, okay. but I think I'm they, thinking of the wrong George Clooney movie. Forget you know, he's been an ugly lawyer more than once. Yeah, okay, we'll go ahead and play it. Oh, I was just going to say that what's going on is he's spoken at this conference many times on all the ways that you can get bilk the most money out of the, the clients when they're in a bitter divorce, even suicide divorces. Oh, my goodness. And so this time he, he has fallen in love and he's realizing, you know, what the power, what something that he really realized should have been his ally all along. This morning I stand before you a very different Miles Massey than the one that addressed you last year on the disposition of marital assets following murder-slash-suicide. I wish to talk to you today not about technical matters of law. I wish to talk to you about something more important. I wish to talk to you from the heart. Because today, for the first time in my life, I stand before you naked, vulnerable, and in love. Love. It's a word we matrimonial lawyers avoid. Funny, isn't it? We're frightened of this emotion, which is in a sense the seed of our livelihood. Well, today, Miles Massey is here to tell you that love need cause us no fear. Love need cause us no shame. Love is good. Love is good. Now, I am, of course, aware that these remarks will be received here with cynicism. Cynicism. That cloak that advertises our indifference and hides all human feeling. I'm here to tell you that that cynicism which we think protects us, in fact, destroys, destroys love, destroys our clients, and ultimately destroys ourselves. Colleagues, when our clients come to us confused and angry and hurting because their flame of love is guttering and threatens to die, do we seek to extinguish that flame so that we can sift through the smoldering wreckage for our paltry reward? Or do we fan this precious flame, this most precious flame, back into loving, roaring life? Do we counsel fear or trust? Do we seek to destroy or build? Do we meet our clients' problems with cynicism or with love? The choice is, of course, each of ours. For my part, I've made the leap of love, and there's no going back. Yeah, what a great clip. You know, and obviously it speaks a lot to society today, right? We have a very cynical society, you know, not getting on any side of the equation. I'm saying just look objectively. We have a cynical, fear-driven society. And this is, and that's actually exactly where I was going. We have fear driving out love in our society now, and it's supposed to be the other way. And I love what George says there is that there's no going back. And once you've experienced the love, I don't, I don't know how you'd go back. But we need to share that because there's so many unloving folks out there. Yeah. One of the, I'm just going to keep rambling. Uh, <laughs> One of, one of the most interesting things I've heard about love, uh, this was at the Cove, at one of the seminars we went to, was that 
loving someone who loves you, and Jesus said this in some in better words, but loving someone who loves you really isn't love, it's reward. That we haven't truly loved until we've loved someone that's unlovable. And that's what God did with us. Are you done? <laughs> no, that was really good, Jim. Thank you. I love you too, Sam. No, no, that was. I just want to make sure I didn't cut you off because that was that was quite good. Thank you. And, and, and that's true. You know that we live in a society where love is kind of set to the side because love feels risky, right? In order to love, I got to be vulnerable. And can I really be vulnerable if people are out there with the intent to hurt me in one way or another, emotionally, physically, whatever? Right, and so we set aside that love, and we we choose to slide down that scale towards fear. Right, and the only way we move away from the fear is to move towards the love. Yeah, cynicism is opposed. It it yeah. just is, and and it's interestingly, you know, again getting back to Hebrew, uh, <laughs> it, it's similar to mocking, um, and game playing. Um, which is dangerous territory. Like, they'll poke your eyes out. I mean, the birds will, according to the, <laughs> what I understand about mockers. So, but... but <laughs> mockers. Yeah, mockers. <laughs> like, like, meet the mockers. You know, they did a movie like... <laughs> okay. Jim's dying over here. (laughs) You know, my dealership was in Moxville. I get the idea of mocking. (laughs) But anyway, no, I I think that when it comes to love, there's a mocking game playing that is phenomenally dangerous for my heart. You know, not just anybody else's, and 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 so, you know, looking for the pure, real deal. Again, Jesus is the answer, but there's so many different ways I've hidden my view of Him. It, well, it, 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 and, and the fear builds up walls. The walls keep us from true relationships. I mean, you know, they say great fences make great neighbors, but those are usually not neighbors that you really want to know, anyways. But you know, the the fear. It helps you build the walls, and the walls isolate the relationships. And, of course, you know, once you get hurt, either through, you know, accident or design, uh, the walls get higher, and it gets deeper. And the, the, the cynicism is just simply my way to stick my hand up and say, nope, Robbie, not today. I'm not listening. You're not going to hurt me today. Yeah, it, it definitely is a defense mechanism. I can't say that. So back to the question that I asked earlier, stories about love driving out fear. Okay. Andy, I'm going to throw it to you. All right. We did touch on this a little bit in the show. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's some things that you've had some, I won't necessarily attach the word fear to, but things that you weren't the most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But how has God come after that? How have other people come after that in your life that's helping you deal with it? <clears throat> so you do uh, uh, um, here. You have the enemy, and then you have the enemy's cohorts a lot of times to tell you what you're not. Usually it's the enemy. I, You know, you can say people 
have contributed to that. But there was, you know, just talking about fears and where somebody else come came after my heart. Um, I think I've shared with this on the radio about this d- downturn, 2008, somewhere around there. Um, not real confident about my position at work. Well, I just began to tell my wife, they're going to fire me. They're going to, and you know, here, I, not only did I listen to that lie, but I um, parroted it out, you know, to her. Which, which, what does that do to her, right? But I remember her at that time, and I didn't really expect it, um, but she said, you know, you've always done well at what you do. And there, I got an opportunity to go after a position. I was like, no, they won't. She said, you don't know. God can position you in such a way that you could come out of this better than what you even had. And what I ended up doing was getting a position in another place much better much better work family balance much better more money everything good was about it and i didn't feel that about myself i didn't feel like i was qualified or or really had it what it took take uh had what it took to to take that position or get something like that and boy was she right and you know it really did a lot for us did a lot for me and my confidence and it was one of those things where she stepped in in love and made those statements and i and i was a better man for it yeah, I I think about <clears throat> where God uses people at boot camps. I know that I had a boot camp where it was probably my second boot camp, and I was doing the, the, the wound talk that we talk about, and we had a lot of technical difficulties, and I was very uncomfortable with my presentation. And, you know, I, I left out of that um, and literally just went out in the woods and broke down bawling, crying, because I just felt like I completely let the men down and let God down. You know, unfortunately, I went back to the the house, and it was at uh, uh, the camp down in Ashboro, Camp Caraway. Yeah. You know, and, man, just the loving support of everybody around helped pull me out of the lies that I was trying to buy into. You know, that it, it wasn't anything logically that they could say to me. It was the love that they showed me and the, the words that they chose to give me that helped break that agreement and break that fear and get me to a place or I would have been checked out the rest of the weekend, you know, and, and maybe not been able to do any other talks from that point on, you know, cause it really had that grip of me, you know, and that fear that, you know, see all the, the fear was that everything that I'd always feared was right, that it was true, you know, and, and just having that loving group of, of Robbie and, and Darren and at that time, my wife and, and Sheila and other people, Jim, speak into my heart you know it was amazing and a lot of them probably didn't even know they were doing it at the time but it was tremendous for me right and that love does break through the fear i remember being surprised that you felt that way about your talk because i thought it was great so mine wasn't really responding to your fear it was more of a that was wonderful sam you don't have to do that thank you you know what i find fascinating is that we spent a good amount of time before the show trying to determine what this meant. <laughs> That's right. Well, what means, Robbie? What's the perfect love drives that fear? You know, because it has to do with punishment. We were trying to determine what all that meant, but when we switched gears to talking about what it looked like in our lives. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, all these memories come flooding in of, oh, that I remember this when that happened to me, this happened to me, that happened to me. And so as you're listening, 
I'll bet you there's a story. And 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 maybe somebody that you need to thank, you know, that that stepped in in that moment and and really played donkey for you. <laughs> if you don't know that reference, you got to go listen to the first show. You know, that came after your heart, even though it may have been, you know, in a strong way, saying you you know you you're better than this. This is this is something that you can do. I wasn't even. I was, in fact, Jim and I were pushing the mic back and forth earlier to not respond to yours. I got the answer to my greatest fear when I got a text from my wife in the middle of the show. Just <laughs> and it's not her. She was actually the one who rescued me. And my biggest fear growing up, my earliest desire and fear was of the beauty. I had a girl that in the first grade I was going to marry when I got older. And that happened very frequently. And most of the time I was too fearful to even let my feelings be known. And when I did, I was shot down. And then when I went off to college at 17, I met Carolyn and fell in love. And God put her there. He, it would have been very self-destructive, I'm sure, if I hadn't had that intervention. So it was God loving on me through her. And rough rough time at places, and I still struggled with the beauty after that. But that event in 1972 when I met her uh, gave me the – and that's my other biggest fear is rejection – and I had felt that constantly. And she accepted me. And then later when I told her, you know, I was going to marry the first woman that took me seriously. And she said, well, the joke's on you because I take everybody seriously. <laughs> and But that was it. And that's how God brought us together. And that was 47 years ago next week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking about, thank you, Jim. The things that I've had fear of in the past, I remember going through a season in the housing industry where we had a downturn. You know, it's a very cyclical business, right? And so you know you're going to have years of feast and years of famine, and and uh, and it's very much a part of the, the job. And I've been doing it 35 years and been through three downturns. You know, and but the, the, the last downturn I went through, uh, two downturns ago, um, I was with a company to – uh, I was in a leadership position, and I had to let go of a lot of good people, you know. And <clears throat> I really was fearful of those conversations. I was—I didn't want to have those conversations. I didn't want to be a part of it. And you know, God fortunately stepped in, and, and I think it actually may have been Heidi said, "Why don't you just pray before you have those meetings?" I'm like, "Really? That's a novel idea. I didn't think about <laughs> praying before I had this meeting." You know, and I would start praying, and I would just pray, God, I don't have the words for these people. You do. Help me to articulate something here. Help me to listen. Help me to be what they need me to be in this conversation that I desperately don't want to have. You know, and I can't think of one of those that didn't go as well as it couldn't have gone. I mean, it just went great in comparison to what it could have gone. No one was angry at me. No one was, you know, cussing at me. There was no one, you know they understood and i equate that all to 100 percent god being in the midst of those conversations there's been times i've had to have conversations about 
with family members about things that happened to me as a kid, and I didn't really want to have those conversations. But I could feel God calling me to have them. And I remember his words telling me many, many times in the midst of that, you own obedience. I own the reaction. You know, because maybe I need them mad. Maybe I need them at a place where they can now turn to me. Right, but that's all not on you. That's on me. And I think about the the the, pe- the job people themselves. You know what grace God had for them, because believe me, knowing you, Sam, if I was going to get fired, you're my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, would you want Darren to fire you? <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> So I'm sorry, Darren. No, I didn't yeah. say that. Yeah. But well, you know what I'm saying is, is, is some people are are going to just be, and I and I think about that situation that you know God knew exactly what He was doing, and Darren would have grace in that situation. Yeah, he actually does too. He would probably be absolutely tremendous. Yeah, but he would. I don't mean well. Yeah, I know what you meant. You, it, yeah. No, it, God puts us in the place to have those things that we need to do. But I think that, you know, the fear, the key is saying, okay, God, I don't know what I, I mean, I may even know what I'm fearful of, right? But I can't do anything about any of that. Only you can do something with it. You know, and being able to give that fear to him. I couldn't tell you what any of those outcomes were going to be with the people that I had to have a conversation with. But I knew if I went in there on my own, with my own control, my own power, it probably was not going to go real well, you know, and, and I had to say, God, I, I got to have you lead this thing because I honestly have no clue what to do here. You know, it's hard enough being in a disciplinary situation where you got to let somebody mm-hmm. go, but you kind of justify it in your mind going, yeah, they earned it you know? yeah. <laughs> at some level. Right. I mean, you're like, but when you're in a position where you got to let people go that really are doing top notch work, yeah, there's just no work for them to do. Oh, my gosh. What a tough place. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example of, you know, that that's that was the love and compassion of God going toward those people. And I have to think that you weren't all jittery or anything because of that. You you knew that your heart was good towards them. God's heart was good towards them. And yes, you didn't want to be rejected by him, but it was something that you had to share, but you could do it properly in the way he would you have him he would have you to do it. And I can't tell you the number of people I can't think of actually one of them during that time that I didn't say, hey, can we pray together? You know, and where God just entered in right then and started working in their hearts. You know, and that's where we do say Jesus is the answer. Love is the answer to conquer this fear, right? That it's maybe a love of an individual or that God's love through an individual. I should say it that way, right? Or directly from the Father himself. But we got to turn to him in the midst of that fear and say, God, I give this to you. And I need you to help me get through this. And that's the way we do. That's the way we get through it. Go to masculinejourney.org. Register for the upcoming boot camp, November 12th through 15th. We want you there. God wants you there. We'll see you there. This is the Truth Network.